Amen. Praise God. Today we're going to be going, uh, studying the Word of God as we have been doing. And um, we'll be taking John chapter 6 from 60 to 70 today. And I will read it. But before I read it, I'll just we'll, we'll sing our song, Holy Words. Long preserved. even today in the name of Jesus. John 6, 60 to 70, I will read. It's subtitled, Many Disciples Deserted uh, Desert Jesus. Many Disciples Desert Jesus. That's the subtitle. It says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. 
but some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew he would, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the only, the holy one of God. Then Jesus said, I choose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. Praise the Lord. Just as an opening of, uh, to, uh, to, to start out today's um, discussion, um, we're asking, us, uh, asking a question. It says, have you or do you know someone that has ever been in a situation where you or, the, or, or, or them decided to leave Jesus? What was it that they faced that, was, that you faced or that the person faced that uh, made it too difficult to accept but you know, um, the scripture we just read talks about the disciples deserting Jesus. So to bring it to proper perspective, you know, at times when we read scriptures, it's best that we try and um, maybe put ourselves into it or try and create like an image of what was happening and hopefully we can relate to it. So um, today we'll read this, we'll be watching this scripture, praise God. So, there's a video on this portion of the Bible. So, we'll just uh, shoot the video and hopefully we can pick up the discussion from there. All right, let's have the video. Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but labor for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God. That ye believe on him whom he hath sent. What sign shewest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses, gave you not that bread from heaven. But my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Lord, evermore give us this bread. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we knew? How is it then that he said, I came down from heaven? Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
It is written in the law of the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and the dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. This isn't hard saying. Who can hear it? Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But I said unto you, there are some of you that believe not. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Will ye also go away? Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Have I not chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. Praise the Lord. Does that bring a better perspective to why the disciples deserted Jesus? Because um, here was Jesus coming and telling them, I, this young boy, 30-year-old, son of the carpenter, you know my mother Mary, I am the bread of life. That was what he was telling people that were much older than him. As you saw in that video, at a point, they couldn't take it anymore. All of them just stood up at the same time and left. Like, enough of this. We're not, we're not hearing this again. This is too much. And, and they left. So, let, let's start. You know, can we relate with this kind of, um, this, what happened there? Have we found ourselves in a situation where we, 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 we have looked and considered all the things happening around us and we said, doesn't look like this Jesus thing is working, no. Or you know someone that has been in that position. That man, forget it, this Jesus thing is not working. Okay, we have a hand there. 
Anybody else? So we can money time. There's someone in choir. All right. Let's have a brief first. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mine was, uh, it was at my salvation when I got to know Christ. And I went through the Bible. There were quite a lot of do's. Thou shall know, thou shall know that I have already, which is the system of life I've already become used to. And for me, that's too huge a demand to be made just because I want to follow a man and quote-unquote is a savior when I don't even know what is in it for me. That was tough for me. Uh, but at some point, I stopped coming to church. I mean, quite, and there are a lot of people probably who did NCRO for some months. I did my NCRO for two and a half years. My faculties in their house, if they, are, they could testify, and I was real about it. I said, no, this thing, I enjoy doing this thing. It is part of me. But there was one thing I can always relate to. Even though sometimes when Pastor Femi or any of the pastor comes here, man the podium, it was as if someone has just gone and whispered a particular thing. And when the pastors are stressing on that thing, they will be repeating it such that when I leave, it buffets me when I'm alone. But however... I thank God for Pastor Nena and crew. They are the people who keep me coming to church because I just love the instrumentation. I just love the rendition. And it just keeps disarming me of things I feel I can't. And gradually, gradually, I give in. And I am still in. I will not give up. Hallelujah. Praise God. You will not give up in Jesus' name. Because Jesus himself is not ready to give up on us. Right. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Thank um, you for the honesty. Yes, Good please. evening, church. Good evening. This, this happened in my former church before I um, joined um, GFH. My former um, seat leader had um, problems with his business. The, you know, the, the wife left him. Everything was just happening at the same time. He couldn't take it anymore. He just dropped the Bible and said he wasn't coming to church anymore. We, did, we prayed for him. We encouraged him. As I speak, he's gone far. He now drinks. I see him once in a while. I still call him. I still, you know, once in a while, I just remember I pray for him. Because the wife left him. Things were really bad for, for them. But that was a face for them. And he should have held on. But he couldn't. He didn't. So he just left the church. Praise God. Hallelujah. God will bring him back. In Jesus' name. You know, um... It, it, it happens. It depends on the phase of life that we are in, where you, you, you may think that you've been abandoned, or, or, or this theory, or like uh, the do's and don'ts around Christianity is just too much to handle. And instead of trying to be there and struggling to keep up, at times you may want to say, okay, maybe it's just better I just cross over to the other side. But, and that's what some of these the disciples do, did. And, um, it's, it's not the way to go, but we'll be, we'll be discussing more uh, as we go on. So what was it that they struggled with? And it was essentially the fact that Jesus told them in clear terms, I am the bread of life. A few things that we'll learn from these engagements, uh, how Jesus engaged them, uh, was uh, first thing, God. A few things we are going to learn from this engagement is that um, as we learned last week when we were talking about the bread and the fact that they, are, they came to meet Jesus and uh, they first of all saw him and said, ah, master, where have you been? He just looked at them and said, you are not asking where I have been because you care about me. You are asking where I have been because I fed you bread last week. So you are looking, sorry, last, uh, yesterday, and you need bread again today. You know, Jesus confronted them. He was very clear with them. So usually, what happens when we engage with Jesus is that Jesus sees beyond the questions that we ask. And he usually would, would, usually would answer us, not based on the questions that we ask, but rather on the things that's on our mind. So that's the first point there. It says that um, when Jesus engaged them, Jesus was seen beyond each question that they were asking 
and he answered what was in their mind and not what was said with their mouths. Praise God. You know, a lot, a lot of times when people approach us or we're having a conversation, it happens to me often. You know, you, you see people saying one thing, but you actually know that they mean something else. You know, we, we at times even when we're relating to God also, you know, we're, we're, we're talking to God about a particular matter, but we're not at times very sincere with God on the reason why we're talking about that matter, as if, as if God doesn't know everything. Can we relate to this? Someone is smiling there. Can you give her the mic? I'm sure she has an example for us. Yes. That, the lady there in black, right in front of you. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay, I can't really remember a particular example, but I know it happens to me. Sometimes I'm praying and in my heart I know this is it. Then at some point I remember, ah, you're talking to someone who knows everything in your heart and I just... Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. Anybody has a specific example about this that you, you can share? You know, you're, you're saying one thing, but you mean something else. Or someone is having a discussion with you. The person is saying one thing, but it actually means something else. Anybody? It happens, you know, we, we, we come to God, we're praying. So, for instance, uh, I mean, I was reading a book uh, some time ago, and the person was, was, uh, was talking about, um, let's say, for instance, you come to church and you are praying because, let's say, you are the pastor of the church. The church is not filled up, for example, and you are praying to God so that, the, that for people to come to the church so that the place can be filled up, not necessarily because you want people to be saved. You know, those are two different things. You want the church to be filled up so that when you stand in front of the uh, front of the congregation, you feel cool with yourself. You are talking to, you are not talking to empty chairs. Let me put it that way. Praise God. But really, what should be important to you should be the fact that you are getting people into the kingdom. But God knows the intent of your heart. If God knows that, okay, the, the, your, all you just want to do is to fill up the place. He's looking at you and he's smiling. He's waiting like, okay, when you're ready, I'm ready. Praise God. And I'm, I'm sure we, if we really think that we can relate to other examples also of how, how this happens to us. And here was Jesus also engaging with these people and saying, I know why you are following me. You know, the first of all said, I said, Master, where have you been? He said, you are not asking where I've been because you are bothered about me. You are asking because you want bread. He said, okay, yeah, okay, fine. We really want to do... And Jesus said, okay, it's this, kingdom, this world is not about bread alone. It's about doing the works of the Father. He said, okay, tell us how to do the works of the Father. As if they really meant it. And, you know, Jesus challenged them again and said, no, it's not... That, where is it again? He said you have to eat the flesh and drink the blood to be able to really, really partake in the work of the Father. God, Jesus was answering them not based on what they were saying, but rather based on what was in their heart. And this is how Jesus engages us regularly. This is how Jesus engages with us as humans. And the earlier we understand it, we can cut the chase and engage Jesus the way he should be. What is really important or what is really on our minds? You know, like my sister said, <laughs> the person we are talking to knows all things. Why are we trying to be smart? Why are we trying to play tricks? Why are we trying to be cunning? Let's just go direct. And it would, it, it would, it would be able to deal with us appropriately. How is Jesus able to know this? It's because he operates in the spirit consistently. Jesus was operating consistently in the spirit. Which is why it is absolutely important for us as a Christian to always operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as you, as you engage in life, there's nothing as sweet as being able to decode 
in life, we're always going to have to engage with people. Business, you're going to do with people. Family, you're going to do with people. Career, you're going to do with people. And the earlier you can decode those people, better for you, better, the better for you. And just like Jesus operating in the spirit, which is why he can see beyond what they are saying, but rather what is on their mind. The truth is that we actually have that power also by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we, empower, when we engage and, and, and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's, it, it, it makes our interactions actually a lot smoother and easier. Before someone talks to you, you know what he's saying. A couple of years ago, about the time I just gave my life to Christ, there was this um, business transaction I was trying to do somewhere in your state. And um, we wanted to... We wanted to get some produce to export out of the country. And um, we had paid this supplier. And he had just been stalling and stalling and stalling. And I remember I was still staying with my parents then. I was in my room at night. And it was as if I had a, 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 like a trance. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. I saw a pic, like a video of what was happening. And I just woke up, and I was like, wow. And this guy has been giving us all these stories, you know. And, I mean, let me just be specific, a little bit specific. The transaction was about um, exporting uh, wood, logs of wood, tick. And we had paid him to go and cut the woods and bring it out of the forest for us. He claimed he owned that area. His fam- it was family uh, area where it was. Apparently, he wanted to go and steal it from a government reserve, which we did not know. So, I saw all that was happening. God just, it was like a video. They just played it for me, you know. And uh, the very next day, I just got on a bus and, and went to meet the, the man again. And he went there, ah, see, this, he just painted another beautiful story for us. I allowed him to finish. And I just told him everything I saw, that this is what is happening, this is what is happening, this is what is happening. He was picking his jaw from the floor. As in, that was how surprised he was. But that can only happen when we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, for me, that, those are some of the things that even made me understand that, no, 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 this Jesus thing is real. Low. You can get expo. Serious expo where it matters. Praise God. The man was extremely shocked that I, I could have that much, as in the details that I saw, was as much as the fact that they had actually stolen the stuff. They were coming out with it. They had a flat tire. The, the tipper that was bringing out the flat tire. While they were changing the flat tire, the driver got injured. That was how much details that I saw that I explained to him. He, as in, he couldn't... That can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you are not walking in the, Holy, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you are walking on, on low current. Let me use Nepal's terms. It's half current. Or low, vo- no, low voltage, that's the word, right? Low voltage. That's how you are operating right now. And it's not, it's not helping you, it's not helping the kingdom. Because we are sons of God and we should be manifesting the power of God. Praise God. And you will from today on in the mighty name of Jesus. If you need to sharpen how, you, how to hear from, from God, your ability to, to know what is, the, it is in the mind of God, join NCR. You know, there's a class there that teaches you about how to hear from God. It's, uh, it's real. God speaks to us. God shows us things that are hidden. Just like Jesus could see through these people here, God still shows us things that are hidden. Maybe there's someone here that the solution to the problem of Nigeria, God wants to show you. You just need to be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're that person, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> we need to sharpen our ability to hear from God. Verse 61. Verse 61 says, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. Complaining. How do you react to people when they complain about you? 
Here was Jesus doing the will of his father as God had sent him. And they were complaining. You even saw it in the video there. The backbenchers as they were entering that room. Is this not Jesus, the son of the carpenter? How can he be saying he came from heaven? We know where, we knew, we, uh, we know when they brought him now. We know the, when they gave birth to him. How can he be saying he's the, he's the bread of life and we have to eat him? What, what, I, I mean. How do you react when people complain about you or about the things you are doing or about what you have set your mind to do? Jesus in this instance, what did he do? He knew the reason they were complaining was because they lacked understanding. And when people lack understanding, you don't fight them. You don't shoot them down. You explain. And he took his time. You know that the video we just watched now is very uh, real, right? When they got in, what did he do? He even sat down amongst them. Say, okay, let's talk this thing. I am the bread of life. And I'm saying it because I mean it. No one comes unto the Father except my Father gives him to me. He made them, he, he explained, broke it down. Yes, even though he broke it down, it was still difficult for them to accept. But when someone doesn't understand something, the only thing you can do to help that person is to explain. Really, it's still left to the person to accept or not. But that's the best you can do. Not to fight, not to quarrel, not to shove it down the person's throat. Take it or leave it. I mean, in our daily interactions, in, in our daily workspace, in our business, when we go out to the marketplace, we see people complain about us. We see people complain to us or even us complain about people. How should we be, compl- should we be reacting? It should be the way Jesus reacted which is by explaining further. By explaining further. So why was it difficult for them to accept Jesus as the bread of life? You know, I hope this will be very interactive, you know, and I want contributions. Why was it difficult to, to accept Jesus as the bread of life? I've written two down, but you see that there are more than two lines there, so I would like uh, contributions for us to fill up and populate the place. So why was it difficult for them to accept Jesus as the bread of life? Number one, the first thing he says was that, that he said about himself being the bread of life was that it defies logic. It defies logic. Bread is what they eat and swallow and digest. Here you are saying you are a human being. Another human being should... Are you turning us to cannibals? It defied logic. They had never done it before. For them, their understanding of bread is bread must be made from barley or wheat. It's, it's basic. Uh, bread in those times is, is like the basic food for everybody. It's always everywhere. It should be the cheapest in town. It should be the cheapest form of food. The most affordable form of food. That's their understanding of, uh, of what bread should be. And here was Jesus saying that, I am the bread of life. I, I mean, it, it just was not jiving. I mean, it was incomprehensible for them. So that was the first reason. Normally, for them, bread is made from wheat or barley. And uh, even the land of Israel, even the land when... Um, when God was giving them, taking them into the promised land. One of the biggest crops that was available there at that time were those two uh, components of bread, wheat and barley. You can see that in Deuteronomy 8.8. Even God put it there and said, okay, this is like basic food. It's like what you would consider today as Gary. Basic. Hmm? Gary is not basic anymore. So what would be basic? Indomie? <laughs> eh? Huh? Praise the Lord. But you understand what I'm saying? 
So for them, they couldn't relate to the fact that a human being was saying that bread should be what, uh, that is now the bread that they will be eating. Meaning he wants to change their diets. They couldn't comprehend it. It just didn't match up with logic. How, then how does this... Okay. It, does, it doesn't match up with logic. So that's the first reason there. Why, why they could not just uh, accept it. The second reason is that... Okay, I've explained it in the first one, actually. Sorry. But the, the, the second one I wanted to put here is that the components of bread for them is the bre- is wheat and barley, which they are used to. So you are a human being. You are standing in front of us, talking to us, and saying that you are bread. It doesn't work. They couldn't understand that. So they, they, they were like, what is this guy saying? You know, okay, <laughs> you, you, you seem to talk well. You seem to know the scriptures You've done some miracles here and there, yes, but what you're saying now is not, uh, is not adding up. So they couldn't just um, relate to it. So contributions. What other reasons do you think it was why they could not accept that Jesus was the bread of life? Anybody? Okay, Debbie. I think um, it follows from um, what we learned at last, at last drive. They had something on their mind, and so they were not interested in seeing any other picture. We've come for real bread. Which one are you? What's all this thing that you are saying? Give us what we've come for. So when Jesus was talking, it's like when you're in an argument with someone and you're just waiting for them to finish so that you can say your own. Mm-hmm. Even if they're making sense, you do, you're not going to hear it because... You're not even listening. So they were not listening. They were waiting for a certain thing. Oh, yeah, come and get the formula. And when he didn't say that, they were not ready to accept it. Praise God. Absolutely. And that point you actually text takes us into the next point that we're going to be talking about. It says, we usually have a predefined idea. We usually have a predefined idea idea of what we think we need. And Jesus came to change these mindsets. So they were saying, oh, uh, I mean, they were approaching God and Jesus was saying, I'm the bread of life. For them, they are saying, you gave us bread yesterday. Just give us the same bread again. Which one? We don't want another version of this bread. Just give us the same one that, that we ate yesterday. That works for us. And Jesus was trying to let them understand that, no, it's beyond bread. That, you know, what I felt Jesus was saying there was that if it is bread that you need, you could see from yesterday that I can give you that effortlessly. Effortlessly. Because, it, I mean, five loaves, three fishes, Father, I thank you, and the things started multiplying, boom, boom, boom. And they ate and ate and ate. They were filled up. And they still had excess. So Jesus was saying, look, this thing is, you should have seen from yesterday that it is not about bread. But usually when we approach God, we usually come to God with a predetermined way for God to answer us. So we are asking for help from God. And we are saying, God, I want to go and meet my uncle tomorrow morning. And I need 50,000 naira. Make sure he gives me 50,000 naira. That's the typical way we pray, right? But God knows you need 50,000 naira. Let's assume it is for... They just did jam, right? Let's assume you are a student. Let's assume you needed it to to buy the jam form. God knows that you need 50,000 naira. What you are telling God is... I have calculated all these things. I know where the 50,000 naira can come from. I have an uncle that is very wealthy because I see him in church regularly, very well dressed and drives a nice car. So he must have 50,000. So when I go to meet this uncle, just let him write me a check or give me the cash. 
God, is that easy now? Don't complicate matters. That's what we do, right? When we approach God, usually. But God does not necessarily, does usually actually never works that way. Because his ways are not her ways. The Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. Far above, far I, that's his thoughts, above ours. So when we are coming to God with a predefined idea, we're, we're just, <laughs> we're, we're boxing ourselves. And God doesn't work that way. God usually will make a way the way he, pre- the way he sees it best. That uncle that you think has 50,000 naira, <laughs> are you sure he does? Are you sure he does? I was talking to, to a friend um, over the weekend, and he was, he was not very happy with another friend of his. He said that friend of, that's my friend, was not happy with his friend. And why was he not happy? He said his friend came to meet with him, had some financial challenge, and he gave him 10,000 naira. And his friend was upset with him, that me. I told you I, am in, I have challenges, and all you could give me was 10,000 naira. He was upset. He was now very further upset because his friend did not know that at that time he was talking to him. He had only 11,000 in his account and gave him 10,000 out of it. See how life is? When we turn people around us to God and assume that you know how they are or what they are and what they should be able to do, Simply because of our own mindset. When we are not God, why don't you just bring your case before God and leave it and ask God to sort it out the way he deems best? Let's stop this. I want to help God to solve the equation. So just God, don't worry about the Pythagoras theorem in between. This is the equal to, just put the answer. Praise God. So when we pray, we, 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 we at times, when, when, we, when we put God in a box like that, usually even when the answer to our, to, our, to our prayers come, we even don't know. Because we have boxed God and said, oh, this is how it's going to happen. So when God solves it in another way, we don't even see it. I hope that will begin to change from now in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus says he's the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Let's accept him as that. Let's accept it like that. When these disciples came and they approached him, they wanted to perform miracles. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, in verse 26 to 28. When the disciples uh, were asking for Jesus. Jesus knew that they were not asking about him because they, were, they cared really about him. He knew they were asking because of the miracle of the bread and the fish that they had eaten yesterday. And he, he, he told them, he confronted them straight and said, look, I can see through you. I can see through what you are doing. I can see through why you are asking. I can see through why all of you are following me. All that crowd that we saw in the video that was following Jesus. I know why. It's not because you have heard the word of God and you're excited about it. It's because you have tasted the bread and the fish. And you have looked at it and said, wow. <laughs> Wait, oh. Bread business can suddenly start booming. Oh. Because if this man can just simply teach us how to take three bread and multiply to feed 5,000 people. Cost of raw material at the minimum. Isn't that a fantastic new business? But Jesus saw through that and what did he do? He didn't keep quiet about it. He didn't beef them about it. He simply confronted them. This is why you are doing what you are doing. And he told them. And guess what? No, none of them said, ah, no, no, you are, uh, you are getting it wrong. Or did you read that? 
because Jesus knows all, he could see through. They were trying to come to Jesus coded. They forgot that Jesus is the master decoder. Praise God. He could decode anything. Nothing is hidden with Jesus. Nothing. Nothing can be hidden with him. He knows all things. We need to begin to approach and engage him based on that understanding. Praise God. So these people, when they got confronted with the reality of what was on ground, of course, they, they try to, at times, uh, we as human beings, we try to avoid confrontation. And based on what we are learning now, you know, okay, Jesus, when he confronted them, he didn't confront them in anger, he didn't fight them. What he simply did was tell them the fact, I know why you are doing what you are doing. It's okay, it's because of your level of understanding. I mean, that, <laughs> that's the way I interpret it. He was simply saying, it is the level of maturity that you are presently or your level of understanding that you are presently that is making you behave the way you are behaving. Because if you look at the timeline for this incident, it wasn't so far away from when Jesus' ministry started. As a matter of fact, I, I, I would say it is, it is probably just a couple of months. So Christianity was new. Jesus' doctrine was new to them. So it wasn't like they were already grounded uh, Christians, you know, where missionaries had come and on and on. This was new teaching to them. So Jesus understood. So he could confront them and tell them the truth. I said, no, 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 don't go there. I know why you are doing what you are doing. But don't go there. This is reality. You want bread, I am the bread of life. Question now is, how do you handle confrontations when you are being confronted on something you are doing wrong? You may not know that you are doing wrong, but someone that knows better than you is confronting you. How do you handle it? How? Do you, do, do you, do you, do you just deny? Or you even stop and think? Do you bother to even stop and think and say, okay, this thing that they are saying, this thing that they are putting before me and saying, this is what I do. Is it true? You know, um, Pastor said something, I think it was, yeah, I think it was Pastor that said it some time ago. There was a particular, there's a, this guy, in, he plays um, tennis, Gilmore Fees. I don't know if any of you know him, right? Okay. He's a very good guy, if you follow tennis. Quite good. But he's not optimized. He's always there, maybe top 20 or whatever, but he's never knocking out and winning trophies. Even the game he played yesterday, he crashed out again. You know, and pastor said something about him that he's one of the only, if not the only guy on the tour, on the ATP tour, that doesn't have a coach. All the others have a coach. Why do you need a coach? A coach is there not because you can't, not because he's better than you, usually. A coach is there because he can see you when you are doing what you are doing and he can tell you what you are doing wrong. I don't know if you get that. A coach is not there to if a coach, I mean, uh, who's number one right now in tennis? Um, Federer. Uh, the old man Federer. He's back at number one. If Roger Federer's coach in tennis was better than him in playing tennis, don't you think he would be number one? So the reason why the coach is there is not because he's better. It's just because he can see you that you are number one. I still tell you some of those things that you are doing wrong. So, a number of times as we do life, we're going to have situations where we're going to be confronted with some things that we're not doing well. How do you handle it? 
do you do like a denial, self-denial, maybe like a Gilmore feast? Or you confront what has been presented at, at, by, uh, in front of you as a flaw? I say, okay, is it true? Take it on, digest it, work on it, and move on. Or you deny. From today, I believe you will start handling the confrontations better. Praise God. John 6, 63. We need to move now fast because of time. John 6, 63. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Human effort accomplishes nothing. As I read this, I was like, ah. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The spirit alone gives eternal life. If human effort accomplishes nothing, then how come a country like America that in quotes they don't know God anymore today in quotes is accomplishing things and we Nigeria that know God we're struggling to capture to, to just dapchi girls how many days now they've been arrested, they've been kidnapped again hmm? how come so I said explain who wants to give it a shot not Pastor Jide <laughs> yeah, who wants to give you a shot? Okay, just let me hear your opinion on that. Uh, some time ago, uh, very brief, I would have disagreed with that, but I have come to know quite a lot more about God and His ways. Yes, affirmative, I would say, human effort accomplishes nothing. Because the truth is that the bread in your nosery, you don't own it and you don't buy it. The what? The, the, the bread in, in our yeah, nosery. Yeah, yeah, okay. You don't own it and you don't buy it and you cannot even afford to buy it. You cannot afford it even if it was a, uh, on a merchandise scale. So that alone, for you to be able to do stuff on your own intelligence or whatever, you need to have life. That life, you're not the one that gave it to yourself. Yeah, that, that, that's not what I'm saying. I agree. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the word of God here says, I will explain what I mean. So let me just go straight to the point. It says, the human effort accomplishes nothing. Meaning that if we're just walking based on, I mean, without the spirit of God, we're just running, trying to do things, trying to create things that we cannot achieve anything. That's what of God says. I'm saying that countries like the US or Europe, in some, where they've, in quotes, left God, in quotes, and they are technologically more advanced. How does that match with the word of God? I think the word of God, what I would say is, they may not necessarily, they may have left God, but principles of God that they imbibed with has taken them that far. Exactly. That's what, that, you just got the answer. So, it is not, the, the results you are seeing today is not the results of today's generation. What you are seeing that they are accomplishing and achieving is not a result of today's generations. And I believe very strongly that the efforts that we Christians in Nigeria today are putting into this nation, by God's grace, we will, we will get the results in our lifetime. I say we will get the results in our lifetime. But even if we don't, we are building solid foundations for our children. Praise God. John 6, 63 to 65. It says, uh, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. People can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Um, you know, Reverend Colley touched on something similar to this also on Sunday. And he said, when God knows that no one can come to the Father except the Father draws him near. And God says he wants to draw everybody near. 
Why doesn't he just cuckoo, draw everybody near? And the matter is just closed once and for all. Or why doesn't he just cuckoo, take out the enemy once and for all? And everybody just goes to heaven. Abi? But you see, God has chosen to create us as human beings that have the ability to make choices. That's what makes us humans. The ability to make choices. So God today has created heaven in such a way that heaven is big enough to take everyone. Even though it is not everyone that will make it to heaven. The truth is that your space in heaven is determined by you. Look at you. Look at yourself. Look at, turn to your neighbor. Just point, point to your neighbor like this. And say, your space, your space in heaven is determined by you. That's the truth. Heaven is big enough to take everyone on the face of the earth if we all die today. But the truth is that not everybody will make heaven. Because if you look at it, <laughs> I'll get there. Not everybody will make heaven. But we will all make heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. It's our choice. The choice really is ours. It's part of the things that God wants, to make, God wants us to make a choice about. And we will make the right decision in the name of Jesus. Verse 66 to 67. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Jesus understood at that point that him alone with God is more than enough. We need to constantly be checking our relationships, constantly assessing our relationships to determine who we need to walk away from, who we need to free. Because not everybody is going to the same place with us. As you saw in the video, when they stood up to go, and Jesus asked them, are you also going to go? Not everybody turned back. Right? Some people will go. Some people will get home. Then they'll get a brain reset and come back. Some people will never. And that's the reality. God wants everybody to be with him. But we still have that choice to make. Verse 68. When Peter was to respond, after Jesus said, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. To whom would we go? Peter's response wasn't about himself alone. He spoke on behalf of all the disciples without taking their permission. If you notice, if you watch that video, they were all walking out when Jesus asked that question. And Peter stood in front of, walked in front of you and stopped and said, where would we go? At that point, that's when all the others stopped. The truth is that there are people in, around you today. There are people that God has located around you. That the decisions that you make will influence them positively or negatively. Depending on what you make. The decisions you make. Because we are leaders in different capacities. In our workspace. In our communities in our homes, in our, where we live, we are, people are looking up to us to help them to make decisions. And we need to acknowledge that because if you say you are a Christian, people are watching you. People are watching you, watching your actions. Praise God. You know, at times when you are in a position where you can't take a decision on something, I, 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 uh, just being around people that can influence you helps you to eventually make a decision, even if you don't totally agree with that decision. Or maybe you are confused at that point. I'll give two examples. 
for myself, you know, when, when we, when Pastor Femi got the vision to start God's Red House, we were in another church at that point, and I, I was also there with him. And he told me, honestly, at that time, I wasn't clear on a decision to make. But the reason why I came after him was I said, Pastor Femi is following God. If this is what God is saying, I'm following Pastor Femi. And that helped me to make my decision. And it was extremely easy. And I, I, I didn't have to... I didn't, I don't, I'm not even sure I prayed about it. Praise God. Because I saw him as my leader. And if my leader says that's where to go, that's where we're going. The truth is that there are people also that God has put around you that you are leading, either consciously or unconsciously. You have to be aware of this because the decisions you make will influence them either positively or negatively. And I pray that it will be positively in the mighty name of Jesus. Last verse, verse 70. I choose you 12, but one is a devil. What baffles me about this is the fact that Like I said earlier on, this incident, this entire John chapter 6, started in the early days of Jesus' ministry. So it wasn't so long after Jesus has chosen, chosen his disciples that he immediately knew that one of them was the devil. In spite of that, Jesus still carried him on for three years. You get that? Jesus still kept him. Meaning Jesus was giving him a chance. Even though it had been scripted that one person will be the one to betray Jesus. But I'm not convinced that when that script was written, it had the name of Judas. Judas chose to enter into that show. Because Jesus carried him Jesus was preaching. Jesus was healing. Jesus was teaching for at least three years after this incident. After this first time that Jesus said, one of you is a devil. For three years. And he still went all the way to be the one to betray Jesus. Hard question to think about. You know, for every 12, there will be a, a Judas. For every 12, there will be one devil. I don't want to say count 12 people and one of you is a devil. <laughs> but think about it and ask yourself, how that devil in your 12, that Judas in the 12 that you have counted, not here, how are you dealing with that devil? What chances are you doing? Or, or are you giving to the devil? What opportunities are you giving to him to change? Like Jesus did. Because Jesus gave Jesus at least three years to change. He didn't change eventually. A shame. He didn't. Because I'm sure it could have been someone else. The salvation would have come. Anyhow, because that's what God wanted. But we all know that God can change his mind. King Ezekiah, God sent a prophet. Go and tell him his time is up. He faced the war. Before the prophet left the, the palace, God called him and sent him back. Hey, I'm the one that told you that his time is up. Go back and tell him that I've added more years. God can change his mind. So at that point, if Judas had known and said, the way my heart is, I like money. If they bring money, I will sell this guy. But I don't want to because this guy is a good guy. And this guy means well. And this guy is preparing us, myself inclusive, for a bigger eternity. I don't want to be the one. God, maybe they say you are there. Help me. Take this cup away from me. God would have honored him. 
God would have looked for a, a, another Judas. <laughs> Praise God. But he did not because his, his heart was hard. His heart was, his heart was hard, maybe. So while we're thinking of that, our 12, and thinking of the Judas amongst us, the truth is that you need to ask yourself, are you the Judas in that 12 that you counted? If you are, you have a chance tonight to repent. So on that note, let us bow down our heads and think. Are you the Judas in your 12? Are you the evil one? Are you the one that has not known God? Are you the one that has not given your life to Christ? You have the opportunity now. Just wherever you are, just raise up your hand. You receive a card. You put your hand. You are not coming out. No long story. Just raise up your hand wherever you are. So that you can have the opportunity to straighten out what you need to straighten out with God. Jesus had the opportunity for three years. We all know where he ended. Tonight could be your own opportunity. Do you want to give your life to Christ wherever you are right now? Just raise up your hand and we'll put a card in your hand. And that's it. It's nothing, nothing complex, very simple process. Just raise up your hand wherever you are. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord. You want to take him into your life so that you don't have to go the way Judas went. It's an opportunity for you. Anybody there? Praise God. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's nobody. So everybody is part of the true disciples and we're not departing Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.